Welcome to our Sunday School Hour. I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 162, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. Stand as we sing this morning. And thank you. You may be seen unless you celebrate a birthday and anniversary. We'd like to recognize you. All right. Birthday and anniversary. Let's do anniversary first. How many years? 57. All right. Let's sing happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. 
good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you here with us. A few announcements. Uh, we still have the church uh, cleaning list in the back, and uh, if you could help with that, it would be a great blessing. Uh, it goes through the month of June, and so if you could help there, it would be a blessing. Uh, Patchery start on Wednesday night, the 10th. That's this coming Wednesday night, uh, so those in Patch be ready for that. Uh, on the 19th, Friday night, we will be hosting a chili cook-off and game night. And so uh, bring your favorite chili. You say, I don't want to bring chili. You don't have to bring chili. Uh, just if you want to make chili and it be judged and all that kind of stuff, Brother Lalo and Miss Caitlin, they're going to be our judges. And uh, so uh, you can bring chili. If you want to bring taco salad or you want to bring something else, by all means, do that. Uh, you want to bring T-bone steak, that'd be great. Bring two. I take mine medium. And um, we'll just have a great time of fellowship, bring your favorite board games, and uh, we'll have a good time fellowship uh, as a body of believers at night. Annual business meeting on Wednesday night, the 31st, and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing and uh, rejoicing over all that the Lord has done for us uh, this last year. Uh, couples retreat coming up uh, February 15th, 16th, 16th, 17th, and uh, there's a sign-up uh, website listed right there livingunited.com and uh, you go on register yourself then we'll have a sign-up sheet so we kind of know who's going and it kind of helps us plan a little bit and uh, so uh, that'll be taken care of there you just sign yourself up and then prayer requests we're getting ready to redo our whole um, bulletin and the way that that will happen is that those who do not uh, come out and say, hey, I want to put my prayer requests back in, they'll, they'll be lost, they'll be wiped off. And so uh, we do that because from time to time, um, people forget that they made a prayer request and it's been answered and they've never done anything with it. And so this gives us an opportunity to do a fresh restart, kind of clean it up a little bit. And uh, so if you uh, have a prayer request or you want your prayer requests that are on that sheet to remain there, you would... Uh, um, email brother Lalo or text him uh, he can see that those are in the next one in February all right uh, so we have a couple of kids headed back to college and uh, I always like to get them up and uh, have them tell us uh, how school's going and uh, then maybe some prayer requests that they might have uh, for this upcoming semester so if Alyssa and Jared would mind coming forward we also support our kids uh, each semester. Um, I believe it's $300 a semester that we as a church support them. Uh, and it just helps them buy books, whatever they want to buy uh, with it. Uh, hopefully it's not video games or, you know, some, hopefully it's school related, right? Um, yeah, but, uh, and so we're thankful to have kids that are going to um, Bible college training for the Lord. And uh, we do this to kind of help encourage them. So Miss Alyssa, we'll let you go first because there's your fun. Love you. Tell us all. Um, so this is my first I really enjoyed it. I think um, all of the classes were exactly what I needed the first semester. Um, I think my favorite one was probably personal spiritual development, where they just go through and, like, you know, make sure you have a good grounding in everything and you're starting everything off right, like, with your own personal spiritual life, and it kind of helps you with everything else that comes. 
Um, and then, like, all of the chapel lessons were amazing because we get different speakers every week, and we got, like, two chapel services every week, and that was always, like, exactly what I needed whenever they had them. Um, I think I saw the Lord work the most with my job situation probably because it was really rough going down there because I didn't have anything to start out with. So I had to start from scratch, try to find a place, and went through, like, a couple weeks without finding anything until I found like the perfect job and it was like exactly like God had set it up and you could tell like it was all over it. It was amazing. Um, so I've been doing pretty good with that. I'm really excited to go back. Uh, I would appreciate your prayers just that I stay on track and I stay. Brother Jared is our uh, expert returning. Uh, good i've really enjoyed college it's been easier going back now that i have friends and actually know people and not having to start from scratch but it's been really good god's been working on my heart this semester really what god has laid on my heart is and they say it a lot there at heartland they say you can graduate here with a 4.0 and look the part and do everything great but if you leave here without a personal walk with the lord then you failed you failed and you're not ready for ministry and it's really that's what it's been really working on my heart is okay I'm studying these things I'm learning so many things about the Bible and how to apply it into ministry but if it's not affecting me if I don't got that personal walk with God then I'm not really fit to be I'm not really fit to help people because I'm not even right myself so that's what something that's been working on my heart and to just be a, stu a student of the word of God not even in Bible college but throughout your life and throughout all the times in our life because that's where we need to be going to so that's what I've been really learning about and trying to apply in my life um, just praying but prayer request would be where God would lead me in the summer I've got some possible internships coming up and I don't know really where God's leading with that so just pray for uh, where God would lead me there and uh, that I would just stay focused and learn what God ha would have me to learn to be prepared for what God has for me so that's what I got there and finally before I turn the pulpit back over for one more song I want to mention that we have a new-to-us organ. Um, we had an organ that served us well. It started beginning to have some problems uh, through a series of events. Brother Foster's parents had this organ and uh, willing to donate it to our church, so the price was right. And uh, so if you're interested in an organ for your home, I have a one-a-good-deal. You got a truck, you can have it and get it out of here, Okay. Um, but uh, it, it's nice to have uh, something that we hadn't even been looking for, and then God supplied it and uh, upgrade and all the good things. So very appreciative of that. Going to have Brother Foster come and lead us in a song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you for being here. Stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 185, My Savior's Love. We'll sing the first and the last verses, hymn number 185.
time, you can be dismissed to your Sunday school classes. Those of you in this class, we're in Esther chapter number 7. It's been a while since we've been in this study. I'm excited to get back to it. Uh, if you need a handout, we've printed a few more. If you'd raise your hand, we can get those to you. Brother Potts is bringing those in now. It's a continuation, week number 6. All right, he's got those. He's bringing those in. Week 6. All right, let's go ahead and start reading while they're handing those out. Esther chapter number 7, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen, and the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed, even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus Answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereupon, whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also to before me in this house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king. Standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. We got started in this lesson of deliverance of God, and I'm thankful that we have a God who is working on our behalf. He's working on our side, and He's working uh, uh, in areas of our life that we can't even see or even understand at times. But I'm thankful that He's always working. And we see this uh, in this story as it's played out here before us in chapter number 7, that God certainly had a plan all along. And, uh, you know, there are times in our life where we get that unexpected phone call or that text message, and it just changes our day, it changes our month, it changes our life sometimes, uh, of things that we thought were going to be that no longer are that way. And uh, so we, during those times, we need to understand that God can still work, and God is still working. 
and God has a plan, and God can certainly take uh, the, the failings of our life, and He can uh, redeem us, and He can restore us into a right relationship with, uh, with Him, and He can make things good. And I, it's a wonderful thing to see Him do it, and it's amazing how He does it. And certainly, if we would try to fix things, we, can't, we certainly can't do it, but God can. And I'm thankful that in this situation, as we see it play out in the story, that God knew what was going to be decreed upon the Jews and that he had a plan all along that he might uh, salvage them, that he might save them from this wrath. So uh, we looked at this lesson and we uh, first of all saw here as we uh, began this chapter, chapter 7, that uh, we see the request here of Esther for the banquet and uh, we know that she's already had the first one. The petition wasn't given then, even though the king asked what her petition would be. Um, she doesn't give it, and then we see as it plays out that this is wisdom imparted by God that she would not ask in the first banquet, but she would ask in the second banquet when she had the full attention of the king and Haman was there uh, as well to present her petition. So we see here, first of all, the request, and as we saw her, as she approaches the king, she does so in a submissive, humble manner. And she waits for the king to ask the, what her request would be. So we saw the king's prompting there in verse number 2. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time repeating a lot of this information. But the king prompts her and asks, you know, what is your petition? What is it that you've brought us here together for? What is your petition? And then she reveals the petition there in, in verse number 3 and carries that on. Um, you know, about the request for people and what has been decreed upon them with the Jewish plight and what is, uh, you know, they had been, uh, this decree had been made that they would be slain uh, just because they are Jews and that Haman hated the Jews. So because of Mordecai, his unwillingness to bow, then he was going to uh, slay then all of the Jews uh, because of this one man. Uh, but ultimately he hated the Jews. This was his background, this was his heritage. Uh, so as we see it down through history, this is you know, nations will rise against the Jewish nation, and they will fail every time, uh, because God is on their side, and God has a plan for His nation and His people, and He will certainly provide for them. So we see this plight that's been declared upon them, that uh, this decree has been made by this wicked Haman. All right, so we see the first part of the chapter 7 as she's bringing this before the king, and then the king asks the question, who is this man that has brought this about upon your people. So we see the revelation then of Haman. She reveals who it is. Haman is identified, and then because uh, the king's wrath and what uh, the king has now recognized has happened in this situation, Haman then is indicted. He's indicted to hang upon, or to uh, be taken to the gallows and to be slain there. So we see then his punishment. All right, that brings us to where we are on the third point of the relief for the Jews. So, after the sentencing of Haman, King Ahasuerus still had a problem. What is this problem? His decree had his official seal on it. It was irrevocable according to the law of the Medes and Persians. We saw this back in the book of Daniel as well as these decrees were made that cannot be revoked or reversed. Uh, they were uh, law and they were to be carried out. So, what was to be done? Well, let's look how this plays out here in our text, and we'll continue reading in chapter number 8 as it, 
as we see the story continue. But Mordecai then appears once again in this story, and he has an important role. So after the queen uh, reveals her race or her ethnicity as being a Jew, uh, Esther told the king her relationship to Mordecai as well. And Mordecai, he, was, he had saved the king's life, and by this point the king had great respect for Mordecai and the wisdom that, and his loyalty. Let's look at Esther chapter 8 and begin reading here in verse number 1. It says, On that day did the king Ahasuerus give the house of Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. Now this is significant. The man who was wicked and set against the Jews now has been killed, and the power has transferred now to a Jew, Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. What a turn of events. So it's hard to imagine that just days prior, Mordecai had been the topic of gossip because of his refusal to bow to Haman. Now he's a man who is in a place of honor by the king. Like Mordecai, you and I, we may have situations in our life or someone in our life who mistreats or slanders us. Remember that one day the trials that we face in this life or the misdeeds of others against us, will be forgotten when we are in the presence of the Lord. Just as the earlier hatred Haman had for Mordecai no longer mattered once he was honored by the king, so the hatred the world has towards Christians or Christianity or the suffering that we may endure will no longer affect us in the slightest. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 reminds us of this truth where it says, For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, this is a struggle for us. We live in the moment, and we, we want to be satisfied in the moment. Our flesh craves it. But the Bible tells us not to live for the moment, but to live for eternity. And live for what matters in eternity. Live for the Lord Jesus Christ and this light affliction, which is for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So live for eternity. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So he's saying there's something far better waiting for you than any trial or tribulation that you may go through in this life. So Mordecai, he was now placed in the position that Haman previously had. With the king's ring in his possession, Mordecai was second now only to the king. Again, we are reminded that all promotion ultimately comes from God. He is the one in control. And I'm thankful to be reminded of that truth today, that he is in control. And he's in control of the United States of America. He's in control of this entire world. And he can orchestrate things the way he desires to orchestrate them. So in Psalm 75, verse 6, it says this, For the promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. 
John Butler said this about God. It says, God will provide promotions if they are necessary to do His work. You do not need to pull strings, know the right people, bribe the powers that be, or manipulate people to obtain a high position. If you need promotion to God's work, God will see to it that you get it, and you will obtain it in an honorable way. This is God's plan, and this is His way. He will promote those He desires to promote, and He will advance His cause the way He sees fit to advance His cause. So Mordecai's destiny brought deliverance from his enemy and promotion from the king. But what about the rest of the Jews? What was going to happen to them? Well, God had plans for them too. Let's see how this carries out. The Jews' deliverance. So Esther now approaches the king with this problem. You know, we have this decree that's law, can't be changed, can't be reversed. So she came one more time to plead for his help to save her people from this awful decree that Haman had made. Let's continue reading in verse number 3 of chapter 8. And Esther spake yet again before the king, and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite, and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Verse 6 says, For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Verse 3 tells us that she besought the king. This means that she was imploring the king's favor once again. She had great compassion for her people and desperately wanted favor in this situation. She was pleading with the king, what could we do? How could we deliver my people? So notice how the king handled this irrevocable decree. First of all, in in verse 7, the king gives freedom to the Jews. Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. So he's given authority and power now for Mordecai to write another decree. So let's see how this plays out. We see the king's trust in Mordecai, He's found favor with the king, and the king gives Mordecai the authority and freedom to write a new decree in the king's name. So Mordecai used this authority to write a new decree that would protect all the Jews in the empire. So what does this decree look like? So the king allows the Jews to defend themselves in verses 9 through 14. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the three and twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews, and to the lieutenants, and the deputies, and rulers of the provinces, which are from India unto Ethiopia, and hundred twenty and seven provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by posts on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together, 
and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Upon one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. <laughs> now this is a great uh, setting up here of events that's about to take place and how God is as preparing for protection of the Jews. So while Mordecai could not reverse Haman's decree, what does he do? He did counter it by giving permission to the Jews to gather and defend themselves from anyone trying to kill them. So now they could prepare themselves and properly protect themselves from those who would seek to harm them. So this effectively rendered the earlier decree undesirable, as no one would want to attack a people who were armed and ready for the attack, as well as specially promoted by the king. Uh, so the king has promoted them to a place of defense, a place where they could arm themselves, a place where they could defend themselves. And then uh, any wise person understanding the history of the Jews uh, knows that they can defend themselves quite well because God is on their side. So as uh, they're recognizing this, it pretty much makes that first decree useless. So this new decree was sent to all 127 provinces with the king's seal upon it, making it an official law that could not be altered or annulled. That's just amazing to me as I read through this, how quickly news travels. You know, we have abilities today to get news instantly on our phones, internet, news media, whatever. We can get it so quickly. But it's amazing to me, as even if you look at the studies of the Old West, how quickly news traveled. Uh, for the times, it was quite rapid. And here, it's interesting to me how quickly this news traveled of this new decree and how it was passed upon. And they, they sent out these men that they would uh, send these, this new decree to the 127 provinces by all manner that they could get it out. And we saw all the various animals that they used to get uh, the news spread across the provinces. So we see here the Jews' deliverance. This brings... The Jews' delight. The Jews' delight. They've seen God work once again. So Mordecai was honored with great respect. And jubilation exploded amongst the Jews as they heard this new decree. Let's continue reading in verse 15. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. <laughs> now you can imagine uh, the burden that they were under, understanding what this first decree that Haman had made, uh, what it meant for them. They certainly felt the weight of that day when they would be slain, that they would be attacked. But here, 
Well, they've seen now God moving on their behalf and God working behind the scenes and God setting Mordecai in a place of prominence, working through Queen Esther to bring this about. And now they are relieved of this burden. Now this reminds me of salvation. All of us that have experienced Jesus Christ and His salvation understand that lifting of burdens, that peace that comes at the moment that you call upon Jesus Christ to be saved. And I can imagine now that this is a similar situation as they're feeling this burden lifted from them. Relief. They can breathe once again. Understanding that God has brought about a deliverance for them. So from the beginning of Esther 7 to the end of Esther chapter 8, everything has changed for the Jews. <laughs> they were condemned, and now they are protected. When all hope had seemed lost, God had come through in a miraculous way. So it's no wonder that we see they experienced great joy, and it was a good day. So the Jews celebrated the victory from their God. God provided for them once again. He's proven himself true, proven himself faithful. So they're celebrating the victory. The Persians saw it. What did they do? Let's look at it, verse 17. And many of the people of the land became Jews. <laughs> For the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now we can look at this story and just take it at face value what we see here. We see God's deliverance for the Jews, saving their life. I think there's a deeper application here that we can understand. As we see these Gentiles observing this drama unfold, they've seen this story. They followed it. And they saw the persecution of the Jews. Perhaps the mourning in sackcloth and ashes, the fasting, the prayers... And then they finally see the deliverance that the great God of the Jews provided for them. And as many of the Gentiles saw this whole sequence, they realized, wow, their God really did come through for them. I need a God like that. I want what they have. Their God is different from the other gods that the rest of us are serving. So this mass conversion of the Gentiles is yet another single uh, angle through which God received glory through these events. Now, you see, God is to receive glory, and God will work all things for good to them that love Him and those that are called according to His purpose. So God is seeking to receive glory in a situation, and the way He receives glory is, is through this conversion here of these Gentiles to serving Him as their God. So this whole string of dramatic events ultimately brought more people to the Lord. Now, let's turn that to us today. What are we called to do? We are called to be a light of the glorious gospel that has been imparted to us, that we have received. And we are to be on display of Christ's love. We are to be a display of the change that He's made in our life, the change that only God can make. And as we go through this life, sometimes we are called to walk through a time of trial publicly. Now, we have a decision to make in that trial. Am I going to be of the persuasion to say, woe is me, and bring all people uh, to the knowledge of the situation I'm in and beg for their pity on my situation? Or am I going to rather seek to glorify God 
to bring glory to Him and ask God, what would you have me to do that I might bring glory to your name in this situation that I'm in? Sometimes we may be mocked and ridiculed for our faith, but remember this, you don't know what the Lord is doing in the hearts of those who scoff. It could be that someone today is observing the way that you handle a trial. They're watching. They maybe have heard that uh, you're a Christian and that they're watching your testimony and they want to see how you handle a difficult situation. The Lord could use your testimony in handling a trial to bring an unsaved person to Him. People are watching. We watch one another, don't we? We watch other people. They're watching us as well. And wouldn't it be so rewarding to find out in heaven one day that someone came to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the way that we walked through this trial with steadfast resilience in the Lord, trusting in Him and allowing Him to direct our paths and to guide us through every situation of life. So on a larger scale, can you imagine what it could happen in our country of Christians fasted and sought God's intervention for revival as the Jews fasted and prayed for their deliverance. God delivered the Jews from the wrath of Haman and He used their deliverance to bring Gentiles to salvation. And God can deliver you from whatever you're facing today. He can use your testimony to point others to Him in the process. Now again, I'll ask you to think about your life. There are those that God brought into your life leading up to the moment where you accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, that they were a testimony to you, that they were an encouragement to you, uh, that they helped you uh, in that decision, that they guided you, that you could look at their testimony and say, yes, I want what they have. I don't have the peace that they have, but I want that peace. God uses people to bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants to use you today. And He wants you to be a testimony of His love and His forgiveness and His grace. That others would desire what we have. So the challenge today that I got from this lesson is what kind of testimony is, am I to this world? Am I a testimony such as, as was the Jews here in this story? Where the, people could look and see that God was working through them specifically Mordecai and Esther in this story, but obviously many other Jews had a part in this and that they were fasting and praying, doing their part, what they could do to petition God for the situation, for God's deliverance. So as these onlookers, these Gentiles are watching this, they're seeing God perform in a miraculous way. Might we walk so close to the Lord that others would see God working in our life? And that they would want and desire what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that they would call upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is what God would desire from us. This is what we're here for. And His, His plan never changes, but sometimes we deviate from God's plan. We, we take the reins and we want to do things the way we want to do them. But might I remind you in this new year that we are to do things according to God's plan. And as I said just a moment ago, God's plan never changes. So what is His plan for this world? It's to redeem it. To draw people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we see what extents He's gone through to do that, sending His only begotten Son to die for us. That we through Him might be saved. 
So we've talked about salvation. It's crucial that every person makes the decision, that they come to that point where they make a decision for Jesus Christ. It's the most important decision that anyone can make. But what about after we're saved? What about the trials that we go through after we're saved? Well, as I mentioned before, it's, we need to be the testimony in those situations, but we also need to trust that God is working. God is doing something maybe we don't understand. But what we have to do is draw from the truths that we find in the Word of God, knowing that God is always faithful, that God is always doing those things in a way that He might redeem and restore a relationship, situation, whatever it might be. God never casts us aside. Aren't you thankful for that? God never casts us aside. God is always ready to restore and to redeem. If God is always ready to do that, what should be our position? <laughs> I fear too often that we're quick to cast people aside. But that's not God's plan. It's not His heart. It's not what His grace is all about. It reminds Peter how many times that we are to forgive. Seventy times seven. This is an example of the grace of God, always willing to redeem always willing to restore, always willing to invest, that people would be drawn closer to God and closer relationship with Him and doing the things that He desires for them to do. Might that be our position as well? And I, I found this lesson a challenge to me, and I hope it was a challenge to you, that we can trust the Lord with our life. May we, may we determine then to be faithful to Him and have a testimony that is an example to this lost and dying world, that they would desire the same Jesus Christ that we serve that they would desire a relationship with Him, that they would experience the peace that passes all understanding through coming to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for Your goodness to us and for, Father, how great You are. It's just unfathomable to think about all that You do. And Father, working in tremendous ways that we cannot even see or even understand, but I'm thankful that You're working. Father, I'm thankful that uh, we have the opportunity to serve you with our lives and to be a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And I pray that we'd be faithful to do so, that we would share Jesus Christ, but more importantly, that we would display him through our lives. Father, that others would see their need for Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray that you would just guide us and direct us through the remaining lessons, that you would help us to, to draw these truths from the book of Esther that are important for us as Christians to establish and to reassure our faith in God and faith in what you are doing in our lives. Father, I pray now for the service to follow. Speak again to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030.